Amen, and you can be seated. Y'all doing well? Yes? That's sad. Some of y'all still recovering yet from yesterday, huh? All them ball games won't mention any names. I mean, but you're recovering, aren't you? It's all right. We love you. We love you anyway. Um, you got to lose sometimes, isn't it? Got to lose sometimes. <laughs> but I shouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm all excited because Ole Miss won yesterday, but, you know, they tried every way they could to lose, but all I got to say is a 56-yard field goal, baby. 56, anyway. All right, so um, I want you to do something. Grab your phone real quick. Go to the Bible app if you have it on your phone. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different, something new. Uh, trying to make sure that we have all the things that we need and the scriptures, because some people were like, what scripture was that? And wanted to write it down or have it for later. And then we also have some announcements and things on there. And so, uh, but go to the Bible app and go to the very bottom right-hand corner. Very right, where it says more. Okay, where it says more. And I say click on it, because I grew up with a clicker. It's a remote... I know some people select and some people push and whatever. I click things. Look, mine doesn't even make the click. But anyway, click on that, that and then go seven down where it says events. And then, and then select events. Okay. And then once you select events, you can see there's churches all over that have, have put their, um, their service here online. They have information there. But find the one that says Connect Church dash Laurel, Mississippi. And then when you find that one, click there on that, and that will bring up the, the scriptures that we're going to have today, the scriptures we're going to use. It'll have a brief description or outline of what we're talking about along with some other announcements. And at the very bottom, it'll even have a suggested uh, Bible reading or devotion that's there. This one actually is 16 days long. You can start the plan, and it'll help you understand even more about the book of Romans here. Uh, this is talking about, really, the first part of Romans. And so I, I would encourage you to, to just grab that because, you know, I can be wrong, right? I can be wrong. And, and the Scripture never is wrong, and so you should never just rely on what I tell you because I can be wrong. Rely on the Holy Spirit, rely on the Word of God, read those things, and then read other people and listen to what other people say about the Scripture, people that are educated, they're smart, and see if there's something that I say that's wrong, and then come and tell me, because I want to be right. And if I'm wrong, I want you to confront me on that. And so, so this is a great way for us to kind of keep up with that. Um, there's also a link down there for online giving, and then we also now have an online bulletin. You might have seen our QR code. You can click on that, and it'll, it'll also carry you at the, the bulletin because some of you have been asking for this uh, podcast. Now, not all the sermons are up, but several of them up, uh, are, are up, and so you can go back and listen to some of those messages on podcast, okay? So if you're not here, there's a way you can listen to them. All right. Well, I'm glad that you're here. We're continuing our sermon series of salvation. We're going through the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 today. Um, let's give a, just a brief uh, summary of what we've talked about. 
you know, we first started, God revealed to us in Romans, said, okay, here's, here's what I need you to know. One, I've revealed myself to you. I revealed myself to you through the prophets, through the apostles. I also have revealed myself to you through creation. And, and then he goes further and he says, I've, I've given you a law to follow. Uh, I've given you really a law, not just to follow, but a law to help you understand who you are. And he said to the nation of Israel, Jewish people, I've given you a written law. We'd call that the Old Testament. I've given you a written law. And then for those who are without the law, people who do not have the Old Testament, people who do not have the Scriptures, he says, I have a law that was written on their heart. They know right and wrong. And that's why these cultures, all cultures, have an idea of what right and wrong is. And when you do wrong things, consequences come. And this is all part of how God has revealed himself to us. And then he goes further and says, now if you have the written law or if you have a law that was written on your heart, here's what you know. You're a lawbreaker. That all of us are lawbreakers. That we've all broken either the written law of God or the law that was written on our hearts. And so because we're a lawbreaker and we're lawless, we deserve punishment. We deserve to be instruments uh, of the wrath of God. He said, but, and this is what we saw last week, but if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you become a follower of Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross, and we'll see this even more today, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can be saved from the consequences of the wrongdoing, of the lawlessness of your life, that you can be saved from the punishment and the wrath of God. That's what it means to be saved be saved from those things, the things that we deserve. So Romans 5, he says, therefore, because all these things happen, there's something else that you need to know. When you were made right with God, you get something more. Not, you're not just made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the act of Jesus Christ. You're not only made right with God, but you also receive some things. And the thing that he's going to talk about today Really, there's three, uh, but the, main, the, the two we're going to look at first and then kind, kind of uh, come to at the very end. The first two, he says, you receive joy and hope. And then the one at the end where we just kind of, it comes to, to, to see and envision, you receive peace with God. Joy and hope and peace with God. And really, that joy and hope comes because we have peace with God. So let's look at this in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. We have been made right with God because of our faith. Now we have peace with Him because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we have received God's grace. In that, uh, in that grace we stand. We are full of joy because we expect to share in God's glory. And that's not all. We're full of joy. Even when we suffer, we know that our suffering gives us the strength to go on. The strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope. And hope will never bring us shame. That's because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. This happened through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Man, this is great. This is, this is some really 
good news for us. But let's dissect a little bit. First, he says, we have received joy because of our faith. Because of our faith, we've received joy. And, and, and I want you to understand that, that this joy that we have comes from, and, and a lot of your translations, the very first verse says, therefore, where does this joy come from? It comes from everything that we've learned before. It comes through faith. And this joy comes in the face of this world. We should not have the joy that we have, but we have joy for this reason, because of Jesus Christ. Let me explain how. First, God gave us a law. God revealed himself to us. We find out that we're lawbreakers. There's not joy in that, is there? Like there's, there should, there's no joy in being a lawbreaker, being set apart or, or being separated from God. Uh, there's no joy in being separated from God because of the sin. There's no joy in being destroyed in sin. Our joy comes because of our faith, because of what Jesus Christ did. And so our joy comes from the fact that God saved us from the consequences now and in the future of sin. Like, like he is doing a work in us. So our joy doesn't come from us or even our circumstances. Joy comes for this one reason. Because Jesus Christ has set us free from the consequences of our wrongdoing. He goes further and he says this, watch this. He says, and we have hope because of our suffering. Wow, this is odd. I don't know about you, but I don't like to suffer. Like if I hurt a little bit, I'm taking some, some aspirin or Tylenol. Anybody else, are you with me? You know, I go to the dentist, and you ever go to the dentist, like, can you feel that? Uh, yeah, and you really, and they just shoot you up a little bit. I don't like pain. I don't like to suffer. I like, I like to be in comfort. Anybody else, you like comfort? Yeah, we like comfort. We don't want to be too hot, too cold. We don't want a chair to be too hard. I don't guess a chair could be too soft, but maybe. We, we like this comfort, Okay. But in here it says we have hope because of our suffering. And you're like, well, how, how can that be? Because when I'm suffering, I, you know, it, there's these weird things that go through our mind. You ever have a toothache and you just, it just hurts so much? You know they could fix it, but you're thinking, if I could get a pair of pliers in there, I'd just pull it. Nobody's ever had that? You have an earache that's so bad and all you can think of is, man, I, 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 I wish I could just go to sleep. If I could just go to sleep and you can't sleep and your ear's just aching and just hurting and maybe you have something wrong with your hand and it hurts so bad you're like I just just cut it off nobody's ever said that it's just one of those places like if you hadn't you hadn't you hadn't suffered and how do you find hope in that well here's how we find hope what we found is, again, we have joy and hope, therefore, because of what we've learned in the past or what we've learned in the, in the last few chapters. And so we have hope because of our suffering because of this. What we learned is when we place our faith in Christ, we get joy and, watch this, we get a new heart. We learned last week that if you have faith in Christ, that if you follow him, that part of following him is to have a heart that is circumcised, a new heart, a new inner, a new core, a new driving force, a, a, a new purpose. Like you're 
Inside is different. The old stony heart's replaced with a heart of flesh. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in you. And so you have this new inside. So that when suffering comes, when suffering happens, you react different. You react, di- you, you react differently than you used to. And in fact, you act different from how the world would, would react. And a lot of times we say it like this. We'll go through the middle of a crisis, some suffering that we're experiencing in our life, and we'll say this. I don't know how people that don't have Jesus make it through a situation like this. We say it that way. It's this suffering that reveals the strength that God has put in us. If you go back, I know, I, I know that our suffering gives us uh, the strength to go on. The strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope. And so this suffering reveals a strength that we never had. In fact, we're going to see in the next part that we read that Christ died while we were still weak or powerless. And so in this suffering, we now have a strength that we didn't have before. It reveals the power of God in our life. And in revealing that, it shows the new character that we have. Not that we created this character, but that God created it through changing our inside, changing our core, who we are. And so it it reveals this character, and now it produces hope. It produces hope in your life. Because you're like, God changed me. Now in this world right here, he's changed me. And if he can change me, because we know who we are, if he can change me now, I can put my faith in him. I have hope. In the future, because he's not a liar. So now we react differently in the suffering. We have joy and hope, even in the middle of suffering, because the suffering and the weakness reveals the strength and the power and the faithfulness of God. Now, that's, that's good. Sometimes we have to go through a time of suffering so that we can see God in his strength and in his power. Because sometimes we're blinded by all the good things, Right? But we're blinded and we don't appreciate. We just kind of go through life. You, you ever, you, you might have this in your life. and You have this person that's in your life and they do things for you and they love you. And they're just there for you all the time. And you just kind of get used to them being there. And then a crisis happens or they're separated from you because they go on a trip or, or they get sick, Whatever. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, this person's important. This person's, I love them. And so sometimes in the sufferings of life, it reveals how good and great and powerful God is. And it reveals our love that we have for him. So we have this joy and this hope because of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of our suffering. Why we have, it goes further, it says that we have this joy and hope because the love of God. It says that's because, okay, that's because God's love has been poured into our hearts, our hearts. God's love has changed us from the inside, and we now have the love of God poured into us, the power of God poured into us, and not just poured into us, and it's not poured into us just for us. 
God pours into us so much that it overflows, and we become the instruments of the love of God, and the people around us get to experience the love of God because the love of God is in us. It overflows out of our lives. And so now we have joy and hope in the midst of even the hardest times that God's pouring love in, and even in the middle of the hardest times, the, most, the, the, the times of the most suffering, we become instruments of God's glory, His power, His love to the people around us. You're like, man. And so we, even probably the, 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 the worst times in our lives are those times that we lose those people that we love, and so even standing beside a casket, We can have the love of God poured into our heart. And even though we are suffering and brokenhearted, the joy and the hope of God is there to show His strength, His power, His future, His promise. And the people around us, even at that time, can sense and know the love of God. Man, that's good. And so this is what we receive because we have faith in God. So Romans uh, Romans 5, 6, and 8 He continues and he says, at just the right time, Christ died for ungodly people. Now he's going to make uh, he's going to make a point and let you know how 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 strange how unusual this is. So uh, again, at verse six, at just the right time, Christ died for ungodly people. He died for us when we had no power of our own. When we had no power of our own, and then seven, it is. It is unusual for anyone to die for a godly person. Maybe someone would be willing to die for a good person. But here is how God has shown his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's making a comparison. He's saying, look, there, sometimes somebody may die, and it would be unusual, but somebody may die for a godly person. And maybe somebody would die for a good person. But... No one in their right mind would die for an evil person. Somebody who is lawless. He says, this is unusual. This doesn't happen. There's, because look, here's, here's the truth in this idea of this godly person and this good person is the sense of, hey, I have a responsibility, responsibility to them. You know, like for instance, my family, I would... I would die for my family, and most men, I think, would say the same. A good person, you know, you you put your life on the line for. And some of us might even put our life on the line for a stranger and and die for a stranger to try to save them if we came up on an incident and we saw it out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of responsibility, especially a man as a a man to help defend the, the helpless which is also showing a character of God, but we, we, we have that sense of responsibility to do that. But here's the illustration that, that, that uh, Paul's using. I'm going to put it in modern day. Is that okay? So you go to the, after, after church, you go into, a, go into a gas station convenience store today, and you're going to go in there, and you're like, man, that preacher preached forever. I'm so thirsty. And maybe you're getting a snack because you're like, man, he preached forever and my wife's going to take forever to cook. So I'm just going to grab me a little snack. You're not going to tell her anyway on the way home. And, and, but you're, you're going to grab this. And as you're getting in line, someone uh, comes into the store to rob the place. A thief knocks people around. 
hitting the, the helpless, the defenseless, and the cops show up like they should. In Romans 13, we're going to see later that the government has this authority to protect the folks, the people. And so they show up the way that they should. And he says, here, who would stand in the way of the police to defend the thief? And then he ultimately points back and he said, that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for you. So Jesus showed us his love, this love that's being poured out into us. Jesus showed us his love when he died for us. That he took the place of the lawless. He took the place of the lawbreakers. The desperado, if you want to say that. Desperado means lawless one, by the way. So he took that place. He stood in the way of the wrath of God, and he took the full wrath of God so we don't have to experience it. And so, so he showed us his love. He poured out his love. Uh, that love being poured out in us first started or is seen when Jesus showed us his love when he died for us. And when did he die for us? Jesus died for us while we were, while we were still lawbreakers. While we were still sinners, while we were still weak and powerless, while we were still in rebellion to him, while we were still cursing his name, Jesus died for us. At just the right time. What was the right time? While we were still sinners. You know why that was the right time? Because we would never not be. Amen. And so he had just the right time, he died for us when we had no power. And so then, so there's this picture of, of us as people walking through this world without Christ with no power, living in sin. Other places in Scripture, it calls us slaves to sin. It, living in a place where destruction, where sin is just destroying us. And in this state... In this place, Jesus took our spot. Romans 5, 9 through 11. Not just did he take our spot, but he made us right with God. Look in 9. The blood of Christ made us right with God. So we are even more sure that Jesus will save us from God's anger. Once we were God's enemies, but we have been brought back to him because his son has died for us. Now that God has brought us back, we are even more sure. We know that we will be saved because Christ lives. And in verse 11, and that is not all. We are full, again, joy. We are full of joy in God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of him, God has brought us back to himself. God has brought us back to himself. The blood of Jesus made us right with God. It says that we were enemies of God. In verse 10, once we were God's enemies. Now this is, we've been talking about this for weeks, and some of you are like, I don't know if that's true, but we see it right here in scripture, that we are enemies of God. That we, not that God was our enemy trying to destroy us, but that we were God's enemy in rebellion to him trying to destroy his kingdom. Like cursing him as our king. Like we wanted to be king of our lives and not him. 
We, we wanted to serve ourselves and seek after selfishness and go after pleasures of the world and go after the things that we wanted and fully reject him as king. We wanted to be king. We were his enemy. We wanted to destroy those things. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he made us right with God. He made us go from being enemies of God to what the Scripture says, a friend of God. Again, God didn't hate us. And God doesn't want to destroy us. The whole reason that Jesus went to the cross is so we wouldn't be destroyed. And so here's this incredible picture while we were in rebellion against God, cussing His name. He died for us, and the blood of Jesus made us right, turned us from enemies to friends. Caused us to, to go from hating who He is to loving who He is. So our joy comes, it says here, our joy and our hope, our joy comes because of what Jesus did for us. Our joy comes because of what he did for us. How does this joy come? Because in the middle, in the darkest time of our life, in the, the times of suffering, or, or in the time where we think about how lawless we are, here's the truth, God loves you. I don't know about you, but there are times that I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror and I know who I am and I know I don't deserve the love of God. And we put on a good front, don't we? We know how to smile when we're supposed to smile. We know how to act. We even know the right answer to give. How are you? I'm fine. We even know the right answers. Are you okay? God's going to get me through, which is true, but in our mind, we're not sure if He really is. So here we are in the middle of this time of suffering and this time of doubt, knowing who we are, knowing how we failed. Knowing how we've brought suffering on ourselves and suffering to the people around us. And we're just there, we're thinking, what? Our joy comes because of what Jesus did. In that dark time where it's overwhelming, where it's too much where the suffering is going to overtake us, it says you have joy. But how can you have joy in the midst of a terrible, hard place like that? And the answer is Jesus Christ. Amen. And here, here's why. Because as we look at Him, we start to see ourselves for how He sees us. And how he sees us is so much different. And, and this was in a sermon a few, uh, a few weeks ago. And I listen on the podcast now. I listened to my, myself the other day, which is really weird. I wouldn't suggest it. Everything you, you did wrong and said went wrong and mispronounced, you're like, man, what an idiot. Anyway, so uh, 
but there's a part there that I guess stuck with me after I heard it. I mean, I, I studied and put it in there. But can we stop just for a second? <laughs> All right, this one can't be our podcast. <clears throat> wow. Um, <clears throat> so she didn't want me to tell you all this, but I'm going to tell you because she's going to be overwhelmed. Talking about a time of suffering and hope. And so my wife's grandfather died last night. And I just got a text from her. She's headed to the ER because her daddy's there now. <clears throat> and she's overwhelmed. I didn't mean to go there. Can we just stop? And Jake, will you come and pray? Just lead us in a... Thank you. Uh, so, talking about putting rubber to the road, in the middle of suffering, you have joy and there is hope. Amen. I would say, and I didn't even think about this, that in the middle of suffering, you have a place to go. You have a hope that we can rely on. Right. I'm just, I don't know how, how close we're going to stick to the notes now, but... You can have uh, you can have hope that no matter what happens, God's there and God's going to work. And and I, I want to get back to this this idea of you know our joy and God seeing us for who we are in the midst of a dark time, as you see yourself. And in that sermon, it was said this. Um, when we get to heaven and when we get, get there and when we're before Christ, he says this to us, well done, you good and faithful servant. I don't see myself as faithful. It's not how I understand myself. It's not how I... It's not how I... I I guess I, I see myself as such a failure in so many ways and so unfaithful to God in so many ways. And what we see in Scripture, those people who follow Him and seek after Him and do what God's called Him to do. He says, well done, you good and faithful servant. He sees something in us that we don't see in ourselves. And we can have joy in that moment in that moment of doubt and in that moment of, 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 of darkness, we can have joy. Yeah. 
because of what Jesus Christ did for us. You know, in Romans 5, the very last part, he sums this up. And this is what he said, and this, oh, this part's so good. It says, the law was given so that sin would increase. It's not that sin increased, it's that our awareness of the sin in our life increases. That we start to understand who we really are. As we see the law of God and who God is, and we see His character and His attributes, it makes us understand who we're not. And so when the law was given, the law was given so, the, so that sin would increase. Listen what it says. But where sin increased, God's grace increased even more. Amen. Which means that there is no sin that is bigger than God's grace. Amen. That, that God's grace, this unmerited favor, like I can't earn it. I didn't earn it. In fact, God gives me these things in spite of who I am. He gives me peace in spite of who I am. He, he, he gives me joy in spite of who I am. God's grace increased even more. You know, the law before we were saved or before you made Jesus your boss, your savior, before you followed the law, the law condemned you. Here's what I would say about the law now. The law reveals to you how large and big and, and all-consuming God's grace is. Yeah. And as we learn more about the law of God, we learn more about God's grace. In 21, it says, Sin ruled and, and, and brought death, but grace rules the lives of those who are right with God. And the grace of God brings eternal life. That's because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. If you don't know anything else, this is what I would tell you. Sometimes you're like, I don't know how to share the gospel. Take them to Romans 5, 20 and 21. It tells the whole gospel. It's a summary of the gospel. The law was given so that sin would increase. Why was the law given? So you would know you're a lawbreaker. But where sin increased, where you realized how much of a lawbreaker you are. But where sin increased, God's grace increased even more. Sin ruled, through, uh, sin ruled and brought death, but grace rules in the life of those who are right with God. The grace of God brings eternal life. Sin brings death. God's grace brings life. And it all centers on this. That's because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. We've said this over and over and over, and we have to remember that salvation comes by God's grace through Jesus. It's not, it's God, God doesn't save us. He doesn't give us joy and hope. He doesn't give us peace because we were enemies with Him. He doesn't, he doesn't make peace with us because of what we've done. He makes peace with us because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. Jesus Christ, I used to say it differently, but Jesus Christ is our peace treaty. Yes. Jesus Christ, we have access to God the Father because of Jesus Christ. It says he sits at the right hand of God and he is our high priest. He gives us access to God the Father. 
We don't have to go to a, a, a priest because we have a high priest. And that high priest is Jesus Christ. And so in those times of sorrow, in those times of stress, in those times of crisis, we have a high priest that already understands who we are, what we're going through, and he's already praying on our behalf. He is our peace treaty, and he's our mediator. I would suggest and ask that you go back and read 12 through 19. Just go back and read it. It tells us about Adam. And it says that, that Christ is, is, a, is a type of Adam, but better. In those 12 through 19, it says that Through one man, sin entered the world. And when sin entered, death entered. And, and, and don't get me wrong, you just know this, death, death is our enemy. Like we tried to make God our enemy, He's not our enemy. He's actually seeking after us. He wants to save us and renew us and give us purpose. Sin wants to destroy you. So you have Adam... He started a war with God. Because if you're not saved, you're at war with God. Not that God's trying to destroy you. He's not. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to punish you or pour His wrath out on you. He doesn't want to do those things. He, he wants to give you, as the Scripture says, life and life more abundant. <clears throat> and instead of... <clears throat> Oh, Adam, he, he rebelled against God. God told him, said, look, here's this tree in the middle of this garden. Don't eat from this tree. It's the only thing that I'm really commanding you not to do. Don't eat from this tree. And uh, Adam basically saying in his mind it really doesn't matter what you want God I'm going to eat from this tree and he ate from the tree and started a war with God he, be, he then became an enemy of God Not that again not that God wanted to destroy him in any way but now Adam is rebelling against God but God's too big <laughs> and when we rebel against God sometimes we forget how big he is Satan was the same way he saw God on the throne and said, I can take his spot. And God showed Satan how strong and powerful he was and cast Satan out. Here's Adam. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the king of my life. I'm rebelling against you. And he started a war with God, with all mankind. And we know that this is true because even at the very end, it tells us that at Armageddon, the armies of the world, the people that are still here after the rapture, the people who rebelled against God, the armies of the world are going to gather together in the valley of Armageddon and they're going to have their guns and 
all their artillery pointed at the sky thinking that they're going to destroy their enemy. And then God is going to rip open the sky and He's going to speak a word and and all those that have rebelled against Him, He's going to put the rebellion down. Oh, Adam, though. <laughs> we see the results of the of his rebellion. As he eats the apple, and the next thing we see, the next place we see him is hiding behind a bush, a tree, covered in fig leaves, and God shows up. And where he thought he was going to be the master of his life, the king of his life, he didn't realize what he was really doing, was throwing his self into the power of sin, and now he's ruled by shame. And here's old Adam hiding out in shame, scared to death. Knowing that he shouldn't be in the presence of the Lord. And God shows up. He says, Who told you you were naked? Who told you you should be full of shame? Sin's the one that tells you you should be full of shame, the one that says you should have shame. Here's what God did. First sacrifice in the Bible. It says God took an animal and He killed that animal because sin requires death. And He killed that animal and God made clothing And he put that clothing on Adam and Eve to cover their shame. To cover their guilt. And what we see in the scripture right here is that God doesn't want to be at war with you. He wants to cover your shame and your guilt. He wants you to stand before him Not full of shame and naked and trying to hide it, but he wants you to stand before him covered in the sacrifice of his and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. At peace. At peace with him. And then... As we stand in peace with God covered in the sacrifice which is Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed on the cross for us. We get to experience an inheritance. Get to live with God forever. And this old body may break down. This old heart may stop pumping. And the body may rot away in a grave. 
But I stand before my king dressed in the finest clothing. Amen. And one day he loves us so much. He says, I made you to be a complete being. He's going to take this old body that's dead and in the grave. And he's going to rework it. He's going to put it all back together. And he's going to take the pain and the death and the sickness and all those things he's going to take out of it. And he's going to put me right back in it. That's right. And he's going to call us out the grave. <laughs> Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Not in my rebellion, but as a friend. Church, Stan, I'm just going to ask that you just, just pray. And God may be doing a work in your life right now, and I don't know where you are and what's going on. And you may be like Adam hiding off in a bush and shame and you're like God my sin is too big what I would say is where sin increased grace increased even more that your sin is not too big your shame is not too shameful man God is good Amen. and there's look. this is what he would have you leave and I'm done he wouldn't have you leave here in shame. He would want you to leave here full of joy and hope because you're at peace with Him because of the shed blood of our Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. Father, I just pray that you would do a work that only you can do in our lives. Help us to see the truth of who you are. Work and move. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.